Well, good morning, church family. Uh, much love to all of you from uh, Zoe and I here at Six Otway Rise Botanic Ridge. We've uh, finished our 14 day quarantine and back into the, the glorious freedom of lockdown like the rest of you. Uh, it's a tough time, I know, uh, but we love you. And uh, it's so such an honor to have a church family uh, that we can all be part of. Uh, we can't wait to get back uh, together in person and uh, hopefully we get some good news today from the state government about coming out of this lockdown a bit quicker than maybe we hope that, that than they've said before. So despite what is going on, God is good, he's unchanging and his word is true and that's what we have been discussing in this uh, in this series on God's word and the first two weeks really took you down. Uh, we got down to brass tacks and uh, we looked for in the first week at God's word uh, the fact that we know God speaks because he is three, not one. And uh, what, an, what a simple but just mind-blowing insight that we know that God speaks despite anything else because he is not on his own. He is three, he is a community, he's uh, in, submitted to each other uh, in love, in community, and they talk with one another. And then the second uh, part of this series we looked at, how do we enter into this conversation with God, with the Trinity, while we enter in through Jesus Christ. So we know that God speaks because we can hear him. How can we hear him? Because he has invited us in. So the Trinity is now not three, it's actually four. Uh, you are included in God's intimate, loving communication because of Jesus Christ. We spoke about Hebrews uh, chapter one, verse one, where uh, it says that in the past, God spoke to us through prophets, so in the Old Testament, uh, and in other various ways. But verse two, in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. So it's Jesus Christ, whom God's word has come through to us. And essentially, God's word initially was an invitation to come into community with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus began this invitation by saying to some Jewish fishermen, come follow me, and then everything has flowed from there to us today. Who are the church but today we're going to jump cut to the chase cut to the chase so god's word how does that work when we are in a global pandemic when we are living through COVID, when we're living through a crazy crazy crisis that is affecting us emotionally mentally it's hitting our spiritual lives it's affecting our families uh, people are falling apart because of the division created through through COVID and arguments uh, about what's right and wrong, how we should be handling it, how we shouldn't be handling it. We've had racial tensions this year uh, in our nation. We've had all kinds of uh, things going on economically. It's hit us. But the biggest thing that's hitting us is, is about the future. It's about the uncertainty. The biggest thing that I've found the most difficult is, man, you can't plan. You can't think about the future. You can't create. You can't innovate. Uh, where are we going? Uh, and it's hit us in, it's hit us uh, really at the core here. And we're going to talk today about how does, how does this fear, uncertainty of living through this pandemic intersect with God's word and, and, and God's speaking? How does he speak and how do we hear uh, in difficult times? So I'd love to hear this morning what your greatest fear is. Uh, what is your greatest fear? Uh, we know that the greatest fear uh, 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 statistically is is death and public speaking. <laughs> I've had to overcome the public speaking one if I wanted to be a pastor. Uh, but probably if you're a parent, probably if really getting down to it, my greatest fear would be that something would happen to my children. Um, 
and then probably close to that would be uh, my favorite cafe closing and my coffee being taken away, which is actually is church and Sarah Davis makes my coffee. So that would be my second greatest fear. I'm just kidding. Uh, but I don't know. What is your greatest fear? What, what is your greatest fear? I'd love to hear that this morning. I have watched this week and now forgive me if this offends any of you and uh, I can repent later. But this week I watched the entire series of Squid Game. So all nine episodes were in lockdown. Uh, we're in uh, quarantine. Uh, I was Zoe was sick all week with a uh, tooth, horrible tooth infection. So I was mum, dad, pastor, school teacher, everything. And I got a lot of time in the middle of the night with the baby to watch Squid Game. <laughs> now, if you haven't watched this, uh, you don't. Uh, you, you might want to watch it after I've talked about it, or you may not want to. Tell me in the comments. Have you watched the series? And if you have, was it good or was it bad? What did you think? Now, my point today I'm going to make about this is about fear because Squid Game is this crazy show. It's kind of like Hunger Games. Uh, it's all about fear. Got a lot of violence in it, so I'll warn you up front. But this week, it actually became the biggest, all-time biggest show uh, on Netflix. And the weird thing about it is, is it's all in Korean with English dubbing over the top. But Gen Z has gone crazy about it, this kind of mix of violence with uh, kind of computer game feels. Uh, there's pink suits and green suits and uh, lots of colours. It's like a reality TV show uh, mixed in with all these other uh, sensitive cultural issues like wealth inequality, uh, the power of the rich and what they do to the middle class. And this is really specifically uh, an issue in Korea where the show comes from because uh, Korea is drowning in debt, middle class is drowning in debt. And I suppose that's where the fears, uh, getting back to fear of these middle class really played on in this show is that people who are in debt, they're in a, between a, a rock and a hard place. They can't pay off their debts. They're the poor, the marginalized of society, are preyed on by the rich and then brought into this um, brought into this place, basically abducted and taken away to this place to play these Hunger Games style games where they uh, the worst of human nature comes out because the jackpot of winning millions and millions of dollars is the thing that drives them. And their, their fear is really uh, taken advantage of and they end up killing and lying and blackmailing and hating each other in order to win this money and get themselves out of debt. Now, we haven't quite lived through that with the pandemic. That's maybe a little bit uh, extreme, uh, but man, we have lived through a tough time. It's been intense personal pain for all of us. That's what crisis does. What happens in a crisis, you see this in Squid Game, is anxiety goes through the roof. Worry goes through the roof confusion a lot of confusion in squid game confusion reigns what's right what's wrong what's moral who's good who's bad you know what else goes through the roof judgment that person did this that person said that that person posted this online this politician went there this christian said this this pastor preached this you know during crisis anxiety goes up worry goes up confusion goes up Judgment goes up and we go into survival mode. Crisis crisis is difficult. There's not much thinking about the future. There's just thinking about today. How do I get through this minute, this morning, uh, this math session with my grade two kid who I'm trying to help do maths? And what happens in crisis is that our fears, not just our greatest fears, but just fear, just anxiety is preyed upon. There's this incredible temptation to give way to fear when we're living through things. We're so vulnerable to emotion, especially the emotions of, of fear and worry and concern. 
uh, in, in a time of crisis, we tend to react. We don't tend to make measured decisions. So you get a lot of reaction. That's where the judgment comes, the gossip comes, the, the overeating comes, the too much alcohol comes. The, we saw that last year, our purchases of uh, alcohol was at an all-time high in 2020 because of the pandemic. We go for things that give us some certainty, like food. I, t- I, I eat too much chocolate at night. That's my uh, Achilles heel and I've been horrible the last week because I'm uncertain, I'm, I'm out of whack. And, and uncertainty, probably the most horrible thing about it is it smashes our confidence and smashes our confidence in God, smashes our confidence in the word of God, in the truth of God, in the truth of, of the Bible. It gets hard to hear God in the confusion. The noise of crisis quietens or seemingly quietens the voice of God. So Jesus comes in Luke chapter 18, verse 8, and amongst all of the confusion of life and world, this, 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 this life we live in pain in the earth, Jesus says this fascinating statement. He says, however, when the Son of Man comes, he's talking about his second coming, when he returns for a second time, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith on the earth? The context here of Jesus' statement is the the uh, parable of the persistent widow and her and Jesus encouraging us to pray and to persistently pray prayers of faith until we see an answer. And Jesus says to his disciples, when I return, will there be people on the earth amongst the chaos? Sometimes life can feel like the squid game. Uh, it's in a COVID pandemic is very confusing. There's a lot of emotion. Emotion is heightened. So amongst all of this, Jesus is asking, he's asking us here today, will he find faith? Will he look at you and your life and find faith? Will he look at you and see faith in his heart? I've done a little bit of a uh, grid here for you this morning to explain this. Crisis is just part of life. Jesus said, will I find faith on the earth? Why? Because on the earth, there's trouble. There's trouble. In this life, Jesus, another statement that Jesus said, in this life, there will be much trouble. There will be much trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I love the second half of that verse. Jesus says, take heart, I've overcome the world. But there's crisis. There's always, we're living through this pandemic, but I'm telling you, there's going to be the next pandemic. The unique thing about this one is that it's affected us all in a similar way. But the problem is people live through pandemic type crises every day in their life, whether they're health issues, mental issues, deaths in the family, economic problems, whatever. They're usually quite relative and separated and spread out. The unique thing with COVID is that it's affected us all in a similar way. What happens in in this crisis is that we're confronted with certainty and uncertainty. What we were certain about is now uncertain and what before was uncertain before is uncertain times 10. And we get this choice. Now, my certainty picture, I was thinking, what picture do I choose to demonstrate certainty in a crisis? And all I could think of was Pastor Leanne. And I apologize, Pastor Leanne, because I didn't warn you I'd put your photo in this morning. But Pastor Leanne, if you're looking for a model of certainty in a crisis, she's an incredible woman of God. And I'm always amazed, especially when I spend time uh, with older uh, people in our church who have lived life, uh, have adult children, and they just have this incredible deep faith. They've been through so much and they've learned that prayer and God and trust in him is 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 the only thing that's certain in this life. And well done, Pastor Len, because I think you're a picture of peace uh, in uncertain times. So if you sense certainty, even during COVID or a crisis, that's great. Remain faithful. 
Keep praying the way you pray. Keep believing the way you believe. Keep practicing the rituals that keep you grounded in times of incredible challenge. But if you're facing uncertainty, and I know many of us, I'm sure all of us, even Pastor Leanne would have felt uncertain over the last two years. I know I feel very uncertain about us as a church, about the future, about the world. There's so much challenge. That's okay. It's okay to feel uncertain. You're not superhuman. You're not meant to be some superhero that has all the superpowers to be able to overtake any issue. It's okay to feel uncertain. But it's what you do with that uncertainty because you're going to go one of two directions. In your uncertainty, you're either going to find fear. You're going to find fear as a friend or you're going to find faith as a friend. You're either going to Uncertainty is going to lead to incredible anxiety about what's right and what's wrong. Should I put my kids there? Should I put my kids there? Is it this? Is it that? Is it labor? Is it liberal? Is it right? Is it left of politics? Is it facts? Is it not facts? Is it, it should I go? Should I stay? I mean, that's the big question right now, isn't it? The great resignation we're living through. Every second person is getting a new job, new house, moving to a new state. Because this is the challenge of a crisis. The uncertainty brings up this, well, well, I'm uncertain, so I've got to do something. I've got to either run away or I've got to stay here. I've either got to put my head in the sand or I even need to change my life, change my wife, change my job, change everything. That's often uh, the grass always seems very green. New church, new mentor, new this, new that, new car, new shoes. <laughs> you know, the grass is always greener somewhere else when you're in the midst of a crisis. But when we find fear in uncertainty, then we're in trouble because we give into that fear. We're all tempted by fear. We're all sinners. We're all challenged to give into fear. Faith is hard to believe in an invisible God, to believe in a God that's good or that we say is good or that we believe is good in a time when, man, things are not good. That's not easy. I'm not saying that it's 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 easy. I'm not saying that it's natural. It's natural to be anxious. <laughs> it's natural to get bitter about how hard life is. It's natural to feel totally overwhelmed by the uncertainty of a crisis or COVID. What comes in is, is, is often this uh, physical movement. In uncertainty, we move physically. It's we change jobs, the great resignation or the big quit where everyone's moving jobs at the moment. We, let's physically change our environment, our house, something like that. There's an emotional response to uncertainty, cynicism, sarcasm, bitterness. There's a mental response to uncertainty. We look for things to make us feel emotionally or feel mentally at peace, things that are certain. This is where sometimes certainty uh, is, uh, we put our certainty in, in a government position, a political position, maybe certainty in alcohol or overeating or or binge watching Squid Game on Netflix. We put our certainty in something that we can control. Maybe we, at least we can yell at the kids every day. That's something that's certain. They're gonna be naughty and I can yell at them. So that'll give me some kind of odd sense of peace that at least I know I can be angry. So it's a physical response. It's an emotional response. It's a mental response. Sometimes that mental response is overload, overwhelm, breakdown, depression, anxiety, all these things just get the best of us. And sometimes it's nice to feel overwhelmed because we can just go crawl into bed, have a cry, uh, have a pity party. And, and I'm not in any way uh, um, unsympathetic to people that are having genuine depression issues. Not at all. I've had my own battles like everyone else. But sometimes it is nice just to be overcome by that. 
And finally, it's a spiritual issue. It's physical, it's mental, it's emotional, it's spiritual. Uncertainty hits us in our God confidence. Often the most important thing, like prayer and studying the Bible, is the first thing to go in a time of crisis. But let's get down to what we're really talking about today. How do we hear God's word? How do we hear his voice amongst the noise, the deafening noise of fear, anxiety, crisis, and uncertainty? It's difficult to hear God's certain, secure, sure, soft, almost silent voice among the deafening noise of uncertainty, the waves, the storm. You remember the story of Jesus in the boat? We often think of that in crisis. It's the storm, it's so noisy, but Jesus is so calm. You think of, how do you hear God's voice? The Israelites in slavery in Egypt for 400 years, the deafening noise of slavery of God's people for 400 years, and God silently speaks to Moses amongst the storm, slavery, captivity, brokenness. You imagine being a slave for 400 years, your people being enslaved for that long. I mean, you're going to be broken. You're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to be tired. You're going to physically, every bit of grass has got to look greener. But God speaks amongst the slavery. How would your faith be? How would you be hearing the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, if you're a disciple and you're there 2,000 years ago and your teacher, your rabbi is hanging on the cross? The good news of the kingdom that Jesus declared for three and a half years and then he's hanging there crucified by the Roman Empire. How's your faith going? How's your fear going? Well, through the roof, because where were the disciples? All of 11 of them ran. Judas killed himself. The other 10 ran. And John was the only one standing there at the foot of the cross with Jesus' own mother, Mary. There's not much faith. There's not much faith in Jesus at that time when he's hanging on the cross. How do we develop faith when fear just seems so toxic, so overwhelming, so unavoidable? What I want to share with you today three ways that God's word, speaking, develops our faith and demolishes our fear. This is the take home point today. This is worth the price of admission. God's word demolishes fear. Now I'm gonna share three points out of 300 I could have shared with you today. God speaks in order to develop our faith and demolish our fears. God will never talk to you about your fears. He will never talk to you with some convoluted, detailed strategic plan to get over your fears he'll always talk to your faith remember god speaks to your spirit to your heart he doesn't speak to your sin to your fallenness to your brokenness he's not going to come to address your fear with a 25 point powerpoint slide on how to get over it no he's going to speak to your faith because he knows if you can build your faith and you respond to him in faith then fear will dissipate It'll be like a, the puff of wind that it is it'll be like the paper thin wall that it is it will just disappear because of the muscle of faith that he builds into your heart. Interesting, the Bible says some 365 times, fear not, fear not, or don't be afraid. Now, I know this is a bit corny, but I know all the dads out there will love this. That's one fear not for every day of the year. Am I doing well? I'm a father of four, so I should be getting good at dad jokes by now. Fear not, 365 times in the Bible. One for every day of the year. It's everywhere. Fear not. Have no fear. 
Don't be afraid. God's saying it to Israel. God's saying it to Abraham. God's saying it through the prophets. God's saying it through Jesus. God's saying it every time an angel appears. All the way through the New Testament. Paul saying to Timothy, not giving you a spirit of fear. Why? Is it in the Bible everywhere? Because it's a massive human problem. It's a massive struggle in this painful fallen world that we live in. Fear is constantly knocking at the door. But I'm just going to give you three ways that God's word develops fear this morning. The first one is God's word graciously deals with our sin. God's word, so when he speaks, every time he speaks, thank goodness, it graciously deals with our sin. God isn't coming to give you a 10-point strategy out of fear. God is coming to deal with your fear and eradicate it because it's demonic. It's from the devil. It's dark. It binds, it breaks, it divides, it hurts. It affects the, your church family. It, it's an issue in your marriage. It's going to be passed on to your kids. Thank God he comes in grace, not in judgment to hurt us or to embarrass us. He comes in grace to deal with our fear. Now, I know this because it's right at the beginning in Genesis chapter 3, where we talk about sin, the first mention of sin is the first mention of emotion in the Bible. Let's read it quickly. Verse 8, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? Spoke to him. His God's word came to him. And the man answered, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. This is the first emotion mentioned in the Holy Scriptures. It's fear. It's man is afraid. Why is he afraid? Because he's a sinner. Because he's dirty, he's rotten, he's fallen. He's broken. We are all broken. And our sin gives way to fear. Faith means to demolish fear, to be a person of faith, means first and foremost that you must embrace your identity, if you like, your fallenness, if you like. You must embrace the fact that you are going to fall short of God's glory. The moment you embrace the fact that you may give in to fear at some point, or you may have given in to fear, or you feel uncertain, or you want to run away, the moment you embrace that, God's grace can come to eradicate and abolish fear. You will hear his voice speak words that will build your faith and dissipate any kind of fear that's trying to come in and contaminate your heart, contaminate your life, your marriage, your kids, your family, your church. God's word shifts us from fear to faith. Why does it shift us from fear to faith? Because God's word comes from heaven. It's divine. It gives us a heavenly perspective and takes our eyes off this earthly realm and this earthly dimension that will always be full of fear. Right there in Genesis 3, 3 they were afraid. Why? Because they had sinned, because they were fallen. Why is it there? Because this is what the earth is. It's full of sin. It's full of fear. But God's word comes to demolish the fear. But you've got to embrace the fact that you will fall at times. You are fallen and you need God's word to build faith. Number two. God's word is his protecting presence. Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, 
for I am your God. Hear God's word this morning as he's speaking this to you. I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. These are promises. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is God himself promising to us. Do you hear fear being abolished there? Of course you do. This is God's word. The first thing that God says here in verse 10 is do not fear. How can God say do not fear when we live in a scary, scary world, a scary, scary place? Life often feels like the squid game, like we're in a giant warehouse and we're not sure which game's going to come next, who's going to die next, are we going to be safe next? But God's word comes among the fear and the uncertainty where fear is offering us a way out. God comes and says, do not take the way of fear, find faith. But God, I don't have any faith. God, I've lost all my confidence in you. God, I'm not even praying or reading the Bible. But God's word comes and it demolishes all our excuses because he says, I'm with you. He says, don't be dismayed. It's okay. Get your confidence come back. He says, I am your God. Not anyone else's God. I'm your God. There's four of us now. It's not just a trinity. There's four. I've invited you and you're part of the Godhead. He lives within you, in your heart. I will strengthen you. What a promise. I will help you. What a great promise. I'll uphold you with my right hand. So whatever you thought you were living in, God is going to lift you up in his own hand. He's going to hold you up above the problems. He's going to protect you from everything that tries to come against you. Fear is demolished. Number three, I could have chosen 300 scriptures here. I chose three just to give you a sense of how God's word every time demolishes fear. Number three, God's word secures our true identity. I love Romans 8, probably my favorite chapter in the Bible. And it says in verse 15, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. There it is once again. Sin, our old nature, slavery produces fear will always produce bondage. Jesus came to set the captives free. Rather, the spirit that you receive, so this meaning the Holy Spirit that you receive, that lives within you, that brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. By the Holy Spirit in us, we can look to God and say, Daddy, God, Abba, Father, I love you, God. Why are we free from slavery, free to call God our Father? Because we've been adopted as sons. When you look in your heart, all there is is sonship. God has adopted you as his own. You belong to him. How can you be afraid when the creator of the universe, the God that has all power over heaven and earth, looks at you and says, son, looks at you and says, daughter, looks at you and sees a child. That gives me hope. That gives me protection. That delivers me from fear. I know my children. I look at them. They're not fearful children. And that's because of Zoe and I, because we're good parents and we love them and we protect them. How much more is God a good father in heaven that's protecting us? That can demolish your fear in one moment. God's word shifts us every time. If you open your heart to hear his voice, God's word will shift you from fear to faith. I want to share one thing with you finally. I might try and do this throughout the series. We did it last week. I want to share a common misbelief about God's word. Because sometimes the problem in hearing God's word or thinking we're hearing God's word, but hearing something wrong, maybe our own emotions, our own mind, maybe, maybe the mass media coming through our head that we thought was God's word. Who knows? We all have struggles. We see in part. We know in part. Nobody knows everything about God. And sometimes we have misbeliefs 
and those misbeliefs can block us from the pure voice of God. So I just want to share with you another one today. And this common misbelief is that God's word doesn't require human participation. That is a myth, a lie, a misbelief that God's word does not require your participation. <laughs> Let me use Mark 4.19 to explain this. But the worries, so the anxieties, the fears, all the junk around anxiety and uncertainty that we find in this life, as well as the deceitfulness of wealth, affluence, money, position, power, and the desires for other things come in to choke the word. Everyone say word, to choke God's word, God's voice, making it unfruitful. You see, God speaks. His word is sown like a seed. That is true. The parable of the sower tells us. So there's the seed sown in our heart, sown towards our hearts, not in our hearts, sown towards our hearts, thrown, if you like. Think of the farmer throwing the seed. It's traveling through the air. But what does that seed need? It needs an open human heart for that seed to land in fertile soil. The open heart is your decision. The soil that's soft, the open heart to receive the seed is your responsibility. God's word is all powerful, yet it requires participation. God's word can break through anything, except it requires you to open up your heart. This life, the worries, the anxieties, the fears, wealth, all these things will come at you to stop the seed coming into your heart. It's fear that blocks your heart. It's anxiety that blocks your heart. It's pursuing money and power and position that blocks your heart. It's the gossip, the brokenness, the hate, the judgment, whatever it is that we've talked about today. These are the things that are the problem that block your heart because we don't take responsibility for these sinful things and our heart becomes blocked. God's word traveling through the air like a farmer throwing a seed is not the problem. But God's word wants to land on an open heart. It requires your participation. God won't make you. He won't force you. God's word is an invitation. It's not manipulation. God's word is an offer to come in. It's not a forceful. God doesn't take you bondage. God doesn't take you as a slave into his kingdom. He offers you to come in as a son or daughter freely. God sends out an invitation to his banquet. But you must participate with the word of God. You must cooperate with the word of God. Don't ever buy into the lie that you don't have to take responsibility for God's word, that you don't have to participate. God's word requires participation. I hope that blesses you today. I'm going to invite Brad and Maddie back. And as they're coming in, I just want to pray for us all in this moment uh, before we maybe look to a few of the comments. Lord, this word it hits us in our heart, Lord God, because we sit here today, just as I do, speaking the word, knowing that we have fallen short of your grace, your glory, Lord God. Lord, we do give in to fear many, many times. And COVID, Lord God, I'm sure none of us has perfectly navigated it without giving in to the uncertainty and the fear. Lord, despite the vulnerability we might feel in our hearts, even right now, Lord, as we've discussed this this morning, thank you, Lord God, for that picture of the sower, you, God, as the sower, the farmer, throwing out the seeds of your word. Lord, I pray that every heart would open up afresh right now this morning, or as they're listening to this podcast or video later during the week, that every heart would just open up to your word, Lord God. We can't hear your word. We can't be certain about the future, that our godly future. Lord God, if we're overcome by fear, if our hearts are closed, if we're stuck in uncertainty, Lord God. 
Lord, we want to find faith. This is the cry of our heart, like the persistent widow, to be a person of faith that prays and prays and prays and prays until we see an answer. Lord, when you look at our life and say, will I find faith in Caleb's life? Will I find faith on the earth when I return? Will I find faith in the Ingram household, the Tanner household? Will I find faith in Southern Lights Church? Lord God, we want to stand here, even in a global pandemic, and say, yes, Lord. We're not people of fear, but we're people of faith. We're not people of our own words and our own understanding and our own opinions, but we are people of God's word. We hand our hearts over to you this morning in your mighty name. Amen. Great word. Thank you. It was awesome. I'm really encouraged by it, actually, um, just thinking about it. And, yeah, just the the fact that we can so easily escape from or want to escape through different means. You mm. mentioned watching Netflix and eating chocolate and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's just interesting yeah. how um, how we react as humans in crisis. And, mm. yeah, I love what you shared past Caleb and um, just really encouraged by it. We've got a few comments here. Yeah, great. Uh, important moment i like what ben higgins said fear knocked at the door and faith answered but there was no one there <laughs> great takeout um no it's really good i i feel like it's uh, such an important time to be able to find certainty in in what you talked about with open hearts and um good soil ready to receive the word of god and great comments coming through aligning with that we had some good ones from um, marlene blake there as well um um, like she talked about, but without the word, my life is void. And just the fulfillment that comes from knowing God and his word, filling parts of our life that are uncertain. Mm. Really good. Um, what other comments really have we got there? Really good. Um, let's have a look. Uh, <laughs> um, Leanne said God, God's word demolishes fear. There's certainty in the word. Yeah. She mm. is, and isn't Leanne a great example of that? I like that you used her at the start there too. <laughs> Kill me. Yeah, <laughs> I think she just uh, was not happy with the older people part, but <laughs> no, it's a great example. Older people, I mean older than me. That's all part. <laughs> I know you're only two years older than me, Leanne, but that's what I mean. Sorry. No, it's true. And we do have many examples of that. Um, I like what you talked about how in in normal circumstances, we all go through crisis more individually, but at the moment it's collective crisis. Mm. And um, therefore, I, I, I hope the answer to the question that Christ an, uh, asked in that scripture is, will I find faith on the earth? I like how you pointed it to, will you find faith in the Smith household or mm. the Southern Lights family? And um, I believe you will. <laughs> Amen. I, yeah, and, and, and none of that is a... Um meant to be corrective because mm. I think that we are an incredible church of faith, an incredible church mm. of prayer, an incredible church that believes in the power of God, the power of the Holy Ghost, incredible church that has faith that God will use us despite these dark times to reach our community. And, and, yeah. uh, but it, I, I suppose I'm just trying to acknowledge today because so often faith, um, can be used in the wrong way. And, mm. and that's yeah. when we call it, that's when we call it blind faith. So faith doesn't mean that we deny the reality of life and the reality of COVID and the reality of the uncertainty. Faith just actually, true faith means that we acknowledge the pain and the uncertainty, yet we choose to believe in God and keep our 
hearts open to his word. And I think that's, I'm sure, as I know it's been like this for me, I'm sure it's like that for most, but this um, challenge of the last 18 months has really pushed us to a cliff edge uh, mm. with that, with true faith. It's like, like been a time like never before. Our affluence uh, and f- incredible freedom we enjoy in Australia uh, has meant nothing during this pandemic. And we've been, mm. it's the great equaliser and we've now been pushed to the edge of, well, how true is our faith and how deep mm. are our Christian roots, really? Because uh, yeah. sometimes it's e- easy to be a Christian in such a good country. Uh, but, mm. man, we've been we've been the, the great equaliser of the pandemic. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, rich or poor, male or female. It's, uh, it's, so- it's pushed us. It's really pushed us all. So, No, really good. And also just an encouragement, if you're someone who hasn't been able to get alongside others, don't be alone in this time too. I think that even just seeing comments roll through today and talking on here just reminds us that we're surrounded by men and women that are filled with faith. And we so often need to lean on our brothers and sisters and others and friends um, and and be built up in faith together. So um, just an encouragement, if you want to comment or go to the Southern Lights website, there's people that would love to pray with you and talk with you and meet with you. And I think it's so important in, in these times. I love what right. Can Del I just said. add to that, Brad? Can I just add to that quickly, Mads? Um, yeah, yeah, because, we, you know, we, uh, I know it's hard in a, in, in a crisis, you know, we often put our head in the sand and, that, and that's, and that's, and I've done that as well. And naturally we've had to do that because we've kind of stuck at home. But the, the pastoral staff and, and that are really there. If anyone needs a chat, if anyone needs some prayer, we jump on the phone for 10 minutes, anything like that. I've had lots of chats with people um, even around vaccinations because it's a challenge uh, what to do there and just to pray with a pastor and that. Well, we really are here for you and available and uh, happy to do that. And no one, it's a great point, Brad, because no one has to be alone. And um, yeah. and and we're well set up to support people. And and even I suppose in saying that, as we come out of lockdown, it's going to be a new challenge. But it's almost going to be as hard coming out of lockdown. There'll be a lot of anxiety, even just getting out and about. A lot of anxiety that you're going to get COVID, and a lot of people, you know, have a lot of concerns. And that's okay as well. We're here again to help everyone in our church, whether you have pre-standing health conditions or not, whether you're vaccinated or not whether you're concerned about group gatherings or not, whether you just personally got anxiety issues uh, during the season, like we want to be here as a community and especially the pastoral staff to help everyone get through uh, to the other side and cross over uh, to the Mm. other side during this time because God has a huge mission and plan for us as a church, um, Mm. but we've got to help everyone get across and get through this challenging time so that we can get on with the mission because that's the big picture, isn't it? So, yeah. Sorry, I love hearing that. It's so important to hear as well in this, it, like a very specific cultural moment that we're in, and um, just encouraged to know that um, we're all welcome and all all ready to be um, encouraged and built up in our faith, no matter where we are or, or what we're going through. So, yeah. awesome. Well, we might park it there and move to Kids Church because we've taken 15 <laughs> minutes of their time. But great word today, thank you. And uh, yeah, always awesome to see comments coming through from our. Southern Lights crew and um, see you guys next week. Everyone have an awesome week and thank you. Talk soon. Love you all. Bless you all. Bye. Bye.